Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am the Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And joining me, as always, is Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital, Katie Atkinson. Hi, Katie. Hey, Keith. How was your weekend? It was great. How about you? It was uh, okay. I don't think I did anything. Yeah, mine was low-key. Super low-key. I like those. I mean, oh, actually, I listened to some uh, vinyl on Saturday. Oh, that's nice. Uh, broke out a, a, a 12-inch uh, vinyl single of Company B's Fascinated. Oh, man. Such a great jam. And uh, listened to, I bought recently Madonna's Immaculate Collection on vinyl for the first oh, time. nice. Um, and I listened to Danny Minogue's uh, uh, Neon Nights album. I think they put it on vinyl for the very first time, and I bought that recently. You are part of the vinyl boom. Yeah, I am. <laughs> Boom, there with the vinyl. Um, well, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. And in addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Now, today on the show, we've got chart news about Kodak Black, Quavo, Bad Bunny, and Drake. Very hip-hop heavy, I just realized. Indeed. A lot of, well, you know, hip-hop's hip-hop really popular. Hip-hop is pop. Hip-hop is pop. Plus, we're commemorating the fifth anniversary of the Pop Shop podcast. Yeah. That is right. The Pop Shop launched five years ago this month, and we'll be joined by the podcast creator, Jason Lipschitz, who was also the show's original co-host, along with Keith. And we will dive into some of our favorite moments and highlights of the show. So stay tuned for that coming up. J-Dog returns. (laughs) And helping us celebrate five years of the podcast, not just Jason. No, no. We've got an interview with Five Seconds of Summer. Get it? Five Five. years? Five seconds? Five? Five sauce? Anyway, (laughs) um, we caught up with the band uh, to have an in-depth conversation about their number one pop songs hit, Youngblood, and much more. Uh, It's a really good interview. I'm thrilled with how it turned out. So stick around for that a little bit later. We also have the boy band Five. Wait, no, we don't. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what? Like, that's not in the script, Katie. when the lights Lights go go out. (laughs) But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, Visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Let's do some chart chats. First up, big news on the Billboard Hot 100 as rapper Kodak Black's ZZ enters at number two, powered by a big streaming debut. The song, which features Travis Scott and Offset, arrives with 47.6 million streams earned in the week ending October 18th, according to Nielsen Music. Uh, ZZ was edged out for number one by Maroon 5's Girls Like You, featuring Cardi B, which holds on for a fifth straight week at number one. I'm guessing that might have something to do with the new alternative version of the Girls Like You video that Maroon 5 released last week, perhaps? Uh, you, you would be on to something. <laughs> um, Gary Trust, who manages the Hot 100 chart, wrote in his story on Billboard.com uh, that the race for number one on the Hot 100 was a close one. And without the new girl's video and the song's ensuing gain because of said video, the track uh, seemingly would not have held on to the top spot over ZZ. Um, I should also point out, if you haven't seen the new ver- uh, version of the video, uh, if you give it a watch, um, Billboard.com has a breakdown of the major differences because it's kind of subtle. Um, it's all the same uh, you know, female celebrities and activists and um, notable women. But it, uh, it, it, 
features like different footage of them, but it, it's pretty more, subtle. They're more playful. It is more. It's more fun and light and playful, teasing with Adam Levine a little bit. So, um, but we broke it down for you. I know. I think the first time Katie and I watched it, we were like, "Is this different?" Well, we were expecting new people or a new yeah. setting, and, it, and I was like, "Okay." And immediately, you're like, "Oh, this isn't any different." And then you realize <laughs> Maybe people hmm. watching that video gave it repeat watches. Like, what is the difference? Which yeah. also helped the Spot song. Spot the difference. Put them up <laughs> side by side and watch them exactly. both. Exactly. Yeah, you helped keep girls like you at number one again this week. <laughs> Um, plus, uh, Bad Bunny's all Spanish language song Mia featuring Drake starts at number five on the Hot 100. Uh, it earned 36.3 million streams in its first full tracking week because actually the song came out on October 11th, which was the final day of the previous mm-hmm. tracking week. So it, it lost a, a, a little bit of streams because it came out a little bit early. Um, it also starts with 12 million uh, in radio audience earned in the week ending October 21st, and also it did pretty well in sales. But you know, overwhelmingly, it's a lot of uh, you know streams. Really, is what's kind of powering this puppy. Um, with the latter's debut, Drake scores his 32nd top 10 hit, extending his record for the most among solo males and breaking away from Rihanna to stand alone as the act with the third most top tens in the history of the Hot 100 chart. Now, the Hot 100 started. Back in August of 1958, and ahead of Drake on the list of acts with the most top tens are The Beatles with 34 and Madonna with a record 38. And goddamn you, Drake, stay away from Madonna's record. Uh. That's all I have to say, because you're just getting too damn close. It's too close for comfort. I would like Madonna to keep a record Um, somewhere. Uh Gary just reported that Drake surpassed the Beatles. I'm confused. For the most top tens in a single year. In a single year. Got it. Okay, yeah. thank you. Hopefully somebody else needed clarifying as well. Yeah, I, 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 there was a lot to talk about this week, so I was going to sort of refer him like, hey, you know, uh, Drake also surpasses the Beatles for the most top tens in a single year. And I, I think, uh, do you have Gary's story up? Um, uh, we can yeah, pull it up in Yeah, I have it handy. I have it handy. What did you want to know exactly? Well, I just want to know how many top tens Drake has had this year, and what does oh, that beat? I, I thought it was a, a dozen. Yeah. Yep, it's 12. So, so they the Beatles had 11. Yeah. Yep. And um, both Drake and the Beatles got all of their songs in this year, as in, like, there weren't holdovers from the previous year. Oh, there weren't year. carryovers. So. Yeah, it was all, they all debuted and uh, hit the top ten in the the same year. Yeah, this, this sort of thing, you know, will make chart geeks like me pause and say you know features is the big one and you know you just drop an album and now with streams the way they power the chart like every one of your songs will debut on the chart and like if all things were equal like certainly between 64 and 71 the beatles could have had like a hundred top 10 the beatles would have really ruled streaming yeah (laughs) they would have and every time they release an album every every single single song would have been certainly madonna would have done the same thing in the 80s you know but then again so would have michael and whitney and mariah and janet And and the point of the charts is to reflect listening habits of the current time and and, this certainly does and how we could actually sort of capture that Mm -hmm. you know Back in the olden days, the only way to sort of really capture... I mean, the only way that you could consume songs... Was buying or listening on the radio. Buying an individual single. Mm -hmm. And the only way you could buy a single was when it was released commercially as a 45 single on vinyl or a cassette single or a CD single. A single. You know, digital didn't exist. And so now we have all these ways of consuming music. We People can consume individual songs in specific ways. Yeah. It's just, you know... You just have to think of that. You're like, yeah, well, you will beat the record. You'll beat Madonna here in the next few months, probably. Sorry, Keith. 
It's always it's just you know, it's just heavy sigh. Records were meant to be broken. Just always remember that. Um, lastly, over on the Billboard 200 Albums chart, while the A Star Is Born soundtrack stays steady at number one for a second week, earning 143,000 equivalent album units in the week ending October 18th, Quavo's solo debut album, Quavo Huncho, falls from number 66 to number two after its first full tracking week of activity. Uh, Quavo Huncho also happens to feature Madonna. Champagne rosé. Yeah. Champagne rosé. <laughs> Watch, that thing will become a fluke hit. Um, the album <laughs> earned 99,000 equivalent album units um, in this tracking week. And the previous week, when it started with just a partial day of activity, um, as it debuted on October 11th, it debuted at 6 p.m. Pacific time, which is three hours earlier than when most albums come out on Thursday night. Um, did it feel like it did have a chance at number one if it had debuted on time? I don't think so. Um, even if you somehow combined like its first, like its its first eight days into seven, mm-hmm. um, it still wouldn't have had enough units, you know, to beat A Star Is Born. In, in so theory, it's a film phenomenon. Yeah, I think it's actually probably doing better than people probably imagined, you know, a couple months ago. I'm still listening. Well, yeah, I still need to see the damn movie. <laughs> yes, this is going to be like when you still haven't seen the Call Me by Your Name yeah. yet. It's a little bit different. Uh, this is very music focused. Obviously, you need to see I need this to see movie. It. We'll just have like a, a Star is Born special, like you know, seven weeks after the movie came out. <laughs> Finally, I saw it. We have to talk about it. We have to dissect every single one of the scenes. Exactly. Oh my god! Would you believe, Katie? It's been five years since we started the Pop Shop Podcast, and here we are, more than two hundred and fifty episodes later oh my god i would believe that you would. um even though i was not there at the very beginning um because you and jason originally hosted the show j-dog and so we thought it would be fun to have all three of us together on the show um just to kind of recap jason and keith started the show for its first 111 episodes and then i came on board after that though jason did fill in for me when i was away having baby cal uh last year uh so let's welcome back to the pop shop fold jason lipschitz What's up, guys? <laughs> oh, hey! What up, J Dog? <laughs> good to be. It's good to be back. Um, you haven't been thanks banned, for having me. You haven't been banned from the show. Not, I haven't been. I haven't been banned from the pod. Or has That's, the ban uh, been lifted? Well, temporarily. <laughs> one a one episode ban lift. I love it. <laughs> until until Katie has another baby, and then we're yeah, dragging exactly. you back in. <laughs> Um, we thought it'd be fun um, for all three of us. I, I, I actually have all three of us ever been on together. Yes, actually, uh, you and Jason had me on for um, the VMA episode, which was like two episodes before I filled in for Jason when he was getting married, and then eventually uh, took over as co-host. But like, uh, you guys had me on as a special guest before. Uh, before Jason's exit. I think that was just Jason's ploy to see if it would work out. <laughs> it might have been, and it worked out. <laughs> Jason laughing probably means it's, that's actually what, what it was. It was, um, a, it was a test run. It was a great test run. <laughs> um, well, since we're all here, um, uh, and and I, I, I actually put together a list of every single one of our episodes, so we had them handy. Um, we thought it'd be fun to kind of go through um, sort of our personal highlights and um, favorite memories of the of our time on the show and um, any special guests that we really liked or just you know funny moments or you know what have you so uh, this is totally very free form like we've got nothing really written down for this right um so uh 
Katie. Yeah, I'll start all day. Sure, just start. Because the minute you said that we were going to do this, I obviously just went straight to John Mayer. <laughs> Hanging out with John Mayer at a bar somewhere, right? Um, yeah, no, backstage. backstage at the dive bar tour. Um, but the the monumental moment was the very end, which the interview ran crazy long. I was supposed to have 10 or 15 minutes with him. We're going north of 20 minutes, and his uh, publicist was lurking and angry, and I kept trying to wrap up the interview, and John Mayer kept not letting me wrap up the interview. And finally, when I was like, I gotta let you go, Mm -hmm. uh, he turned my words into a country song on the spot and kept the interview going even longer. (laughs) And so I have a a song I co-wrote with John Mayer from it, so that was, like, without a doubt, my favorite pop shop memory of all time you're up there with like taylor swift as a collaborator with john mayer on a, on a song exactly so uh yeah. you know editor ryan will now cue uh john mayer's uh song right here oh yeah <laughs> and go hi editor ryan if i'm gonna see you tonight i have to let you go so yeah that's a that's a really cool country song title if i'm gonna see you tonight gotta let you know if i'm gonna see you tonight gotta let you go we just wrote a hit. Yeah, we did. Let's put it on the charts. Um, uh, Jason, do you have a, a particular favorite memory that you'd like to uh, uh, offer uh, as we as we dive yeah, into this? I, I, you know, what, the fun thing about doing the podcast with you, Keith, during our original run, it was that we always tried different things, and and we tried to do like live podcasts around the Grammys, and and I just remember the. Um, we decided to do a Periscope uh, from the Billboard Music Awards, I think in 2015, uh, when we were running around the MGM Grand in That's Las right. Vegas. Do you remember this? Yeah, yeah. We were like on the casino floor, like right outside. Yeah, we were just wandering around the casino floor. <laughs> yeah, so we, we decided we were going to – so we couldn't get like a whole camera crew to do like the live video podcast like we did for the Grammy. So we were like – I know what we'll do. We'll, we'll record a podcast after the Billboard Music Awards, but before that, Keith and I are going to run around uh, Vegas and do a Periscope and do it from the MGM Grand after the show and have people ask us questions. And it was sort of a disaster, <laughs> but it was sort of amazing. Uh, we, I, I remember like us talking uh, to each other, and then like the, the lead singer of Magic passed us, and we thought that was a big deal. We were just like, oh my god, it's the lead singer of Magic. And then, um, I do, Keith, do you remember that was the year that Fifth Harmony was supposed to perform, but and then they, they only sang a little bit and didn't perform, and, and you had all these... Every harmonizer, every, every question was, was about Fifth Harmony, like screaming at us, like, yeah. like somehow we had control was, over the show. Yeah. <laughs> Who did That'd we be see? really funny if we were the one, put, like the the puppet masters of the Billboard Music Awards, the Pop Shop Podcast. I so, wish. Yeah. Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, maybe only but, the control uh, that we don't it have. Was, <laughs> it was a it was an amazing experience. I, I I definitely think that was the most memorable Pop Shop podcast we we did, and it it was it wasn't even <laughs> I don't even know if it's archived anywhere. Um, but uh, the but Periscope yeah, that is uh, no, I don't think. Yeah, the Periscope. Oh, well, I we did the Periscope, it. and then we did a podcast, and so the podcast is is around, but uh, definitely not the Periscope. Who did we see in the elevator going up to do the podcast? Uh, Andy Grammer. Yes. Andy Grammer rode the elevator with us. Hilariously, both Nasri, like, the lead singer of Magic, and Andy Grammer are friends of the podcast. They've both been on the show before. <laughs> 
there you go. Friends of the pod. Friends of the pod. Um, one of, I, I, I actually, when I was compiling our list of all the episodes uh, last night um, so that we'd have this in front of us, um, I was listening to the episode that Jason and I recorded from a hotel room about an hour and a half after the show, whatever year that was, like 13 I or I think 2015 is right because I was waiting for you both to come eat pasta at Wolfgang Puck when you were done. <laughs> so I was there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. That was great. Yeah. Yeah, I see. I, w- I went back to my room, though, and Jason, like, the thing is, if you go listen to that show, whichever year it was, like, we start off, like, super super amped super high energy and the show is like an hour long and by like the last like 20 minutes we're like zombie town and jason's like yeah man like i gotta fall like i gotta go to bed and like the the person who was our producer who was like recording us had already fallen asleep on the bed johnny um was it Yeah. yeah and um then I'm like, yeah, I'm going to bed. And then I find out later that like Jason then left to go to like the club. <laughs> yeah, with, I was gonna say with there everyone. was yeah there was a post party. So <laughs> Jason was actually just basically fooling me, and he was totally fine. I don't remember that at all, but I, I believe you're telling the truth. I, I, I have no yeah. He just needed spaghetti and meatballs, and then was ready to go. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess that sort of counts as one of my highlights. But I mean, also, I think in general, I always really like our. Um, our Grammy preview episodes. Um, we've we've been especially keen on trying to like book like current Grammy nominees on the show. Um, we started off with a bang that one year with Niall Rogers and Annie Lennox in the same episode, and then since then we yeah, had that was really cool. We had what Josh Groban on once. We had Kelly Clarkson. Um, Khalid was this past year. Yeah, yeah. Um, those I really love. Um, I love the BBMA's previews that we've been doing where we've, you know, this year we had, well, we had Kelly Clarkson, who was the our host. host. Yes. Um, and the year before we had Imagine Dragons on because they were cur- like performers and nominees. Mm-hmm. Um, I love those episodes because um, they're, I, I just like them. They're star studded. Well, yes. I mean, I also really, <laughs> I like having like big stars in the show. Call me, call me crazy. <laughs> uh, Katie, do you have any others? Um, I just kind of made some like side notes about like, we just had a kind of a bookend of Dua Lipa interviews that was kind of amazing. Yeah. We talked to her in February of 2017 and then just spoke with her two weeks ago or so. And like, just to see like where she was in February, 2017 to now is awesome that like, you know, we kind of followed that, that adventure with her. Yeah. I feel like we were there at the beginning. We were there. And it was all the because same, of us. And Camila, remember when Camila was on by herself when she, she was still in Fifth she Harmony? She came in with her mom into the office. It was mom. just her and her mom. No and entourage. it was so cash. And now she's like a super mega famous star. And that now we, we can't even get her yeah, on the phone. Right. Maybe, maybe we'll have her on again someday. <laughs> Call us, Camila. <laughs> we love you. Um, I also wrote down that Kelly Clarkson, when she first uh, was on the phone with us, she was like, Keith and Katie. Katie, <laughs> Keith. <laughs> and I really enjoyed that as well. So, uh, yes. Yeah. I mean... Uh, Golly, uh, Jason, do you have any um, other, like, maybe favorite guests or favorite interviews that you did? I mean, I wish... Now, see, Jason used to do this uh, segment that was on video, so it's not part of the podcast, but people... Some of our guests tend to remember Jason because they got to dance with him. Oh, right. Um, what was that called, <laughs> Yeah, this Jason? is true. What was that? So, so you know you can't dance. So you know you can't dance. Fifth Harmony will always remember you. Like, yes. they feel like they're BFFs with you because they always remember dancing with you and, like, having such a good time with you. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was it was great to do the video series as well as the uh, as the Pop Shop podcast because it just was me being goofy about pop music and talking about pop music, which is all I I ever really want to do. I mean, I, I think that one of one of my like I, I guess not my favorite shows, but just even just the the 
premiere five years ago was so exciting like to you know be able to talk start talking to you each week uh about pop music and I, I I implore everyone listening to this to not go back and listen to those because they're very rough. <laughs> All right, out of like the Ryan, cue of, the tape. <laughs> <laughs> like we're 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 still like feeling our way toward a competent podcast, but I just remember like we had never there had never been a Billboard podcast before yeah. Top Shop launched five years ago, and it was really exciting. It was it was it was really fun, and and uh, yeah, I uh, now you guys have. have taking the torch and and five years later a half decade that's pretty crazy that is really crazy you guys were pioneers for podcasts at billboard we're the we're the podcast pioneers exactly in our first episode we talked about i know i remember i talked about going to Cher's house and interviewing her oh yeah but not for the podcast <laughs> unfortunately unfortunately not um golly you know it was just it was it was it was it wasn't as structured as it is now even though this seems wildly unstructured right <laughs> yeah. now um i think um I mean, we, we could go on probably obviously forever. I mean, I want to thank you both for bringing me on because it's been awesome. And like, you know, thank you, Jason, for tr- entrusting me <laughs> with your baby. I really, I mean, well, I, and, and then also for taking over when I had my baby. <laughs> Appreciate all of that. <laughs> yeah, listen, it's, it's uh, you know, I, I would say when, when Keith and I did it, it was like a seven and then I left, and now it's it's a, a steady 10, 10 out of 10. Aww. Oh, man. You flatter us. So, um, yeah, I mean, we could, I mean, obviously we can go on forever, um, but we should probably rein it in just a skosh. Katie, you have something else to say? Oh, I was just going to say it's appropriate that we have the uh, today's guest on. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I mean, should we just, like, Rolling. No, we can we can wait. We, 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 we can, can wait. Make, we can let Jason go. We back can to let his Jason life. go back to his work. <laughs> um, Jason, do you have any? Um, do you? Hey, um, do you? Though we're going to do this again later. Uh, do you have any parting words for this for the end of this segment about five years of the pop shop? Oh wow, the parting words. Yes, at least um, for this segment. I mean, you know. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, I <laughs> I'm I'm, a, I'm speechless. Oh, um, I think I think that. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you to everybody who who's been listening. Yeah. I, I want like I I part of me hopes that you know obviously Pop Shop has has gotten a lot of new listeners over the years, but I I do hope that people that there is a, a small community that has been listening this whole time or has gone back through the the early episodes and uh, yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, the day one people need to let us know on Twitter. God, can you imagine? Let all of us know. Yeah, please. If if you actually have, that would be amazing. And uh, now I'm kind of, well, now I'm kind of curious. Like, <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out. All right. Um, well, um, thanks, Jason. Thanks, Jason. Thanks for making this. Thanks, thanks for making guys. the podcast exist. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. In the Well, would you believe it? Um, but uh, uh, after that whole segment with uh, Jason talking about our favorite memories of the pod over the past five years, hmm. um, now it is time to continue the celebration with five seconds of summer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and, you know, fun fact, the guys are actually also on our 100th episode spectacular back in 2015. Um, clearly. We like having them on when we're in a particularly celebratory mood. Indeed, and Five Seconds of Summer indeed have a lot of things to celebrate. Um, their single, Youngblood, recently became their first number one hit on the pop song's airplay chart, where it's currently topping the chart 
for a fourth week. Fourth week. Fourth week. That's wild. Fourth week. I just double checked to be sure. I'm like, indeed, it's a fourth when week. When you talked to them, were they in their second or third? Third. They were in their third Because it was last, last, ooh, late last week. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, I caught up with the guys over at their record label home, the historic Capitol Records building, um, on the eve of the fifth anniversary. No. Yes. <laughs> Of signing their record deal with Capitol Records. Wow. Um, they signed their record deal, according to Wiki, so, but the guys, and you, well, you'll hear it, the guys agreed with me. It was November 2013 when they signed their record deal. Wow. Um, in our chat, we get into a really in-depth conversation about the making of the song Young Youngblood, um, everything from, you know, you know, sort of how they considered, you know, the landscape of kind of pop music now and radio now and how it's very rhythmic and, and where do they fit into that landscape and... And, uh, you know, just sort of the structure of the song. And, I mean, I had lots of intricate questions, like asking, like, if the song was hard to perform live or not. And Mm -hmm. they had a really interesting answer about that. Um, And then we also talked about, you know, their next single, Valentine, and what they thought of that track. And and, uh, we also talked about um, touring and, you know, if they're writing any music on the road. And, you know, uh, if, if then maybe they'll add some more dates to the tour and come back to America. Who knows? And we also asked them what it was like going up against, you know, Jay-Z and Beyonce. The Carters. The Carters, uh, when their surprise album dropped, um, you know, a day or so after Youngblood dropped. So, yes, we cover all that and more. So take a listen to our interview with Five Seconds of Summer. Youngblood! Welcome back to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. Five seconds of summer. Thank you. Hello. Good to see you. We, we, saw, we saw you at the uh, hundred, the hundredth episode, uh, episode uh, thing. Right? It's, it's yeah. amazing that you remember that. Yeah, yeah. it's like you weren't even prompted or anything. And this where... is the five year anniversary of the show. Wow, it, is. Yeah. it, is. it says on my calendar. Yes, that's yeah. correct. Well, we, these that's avid listeners of the podcast you clearly. Big <laughs> fans. I do like a podcast. Um, all, all, all four of you are here today: uh, Michael, Ashton, Callum, Luke. Yes. Um, you know. Tell us first where we're at because we're in a, a very special, cool building. Mm-hmm. Yep, we're at Starbucks. And, uh, I don't know how cool that is. <laughs> but... Vine. <laughs> uh, but we, we are at the Capitol Building. The Capitol Records Building. <laughs> yes, we are. Label... To be confused with the Capitol Building in Washington, D.C. True. Oh, yeah, well, you know, that could be like we could the podcast on there, location. Maybe. And yeah. we can com- see the Hollywood sign. So everything is uh, everything is weird. Not so, so weird today. We can be great. But this is your label home, mm-hmm. and it was uh, almost five years ago that you signed to Capitol. I think True. wasn't it like November two thousand three? November. Yep. Yeah, we were uh, uh, we boys sixth actually back then. Just uh, we young mere boys. Lads. Mm. Mere boys. That was and a fantastic old time. Men. Old really. men. Oh, oh no. Really. <laughs> Well, maybe almost mid twenties ish. Maybe, maybe. Okay. I think we'll keep it a mystery now. You, okay. hit, you hit twenty three in, in, in our situation. We're not here to talk. Unfortunately, it. we're not here to talk about your ages. But that would be a hooch to talk about random things that are not related to anything. Let's do that. Yeah, no. Hey, follow the leader. Okay, great. <laughs> that sounds like what we do all the time is just talk about things that. Then I will help you focus because you're you're good, you're you're cool. too good at getting me off track here. Um, well, you're riding high on our charts right now, as you hopefully know. Uh, Young Blood, the title track off your latest album, recently became your first top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart and your first number one on Billboard's Pop Songs Airplay chart, which is ranking the most popular songs on Top 40 Radio in the United States. So first, congratulations. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, first off, how did you find out about being number one? I'm hoping it was a big deal. I think I saw it on your Instagram. I know management was thrilled about being number one. How did it feel? Uh, it felt fantastic. I mean, we've worked very, very hard to uh, 
you know, create the create a record that could come across as genuine uh, musically and lyrically, whilst also kind of putting us in a good place for uh, our live performances. Uh, and a song like Youngblood has articulated all those things, and it's taken us a lot of years to to make something like that, and and to make a record that is slightly more mature than our past records. Um, but we found out we were playing a show in Seattle, 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 and it was fantastic. Um, came off stage. There was uh, some celebration happening, uh, but yeah, it was a it was a really long. The celebration had started before you got off stage. Is that <laughs> what you're of, saying? Kind of where we got off the stage. Yeah, yeah. it was a few. Um, yeah, it was like a cake and champagne and stuff. It was nice. A yeah. falafel. But at that point, we <laughs> was were really... it really falafel? <laughs> it was falafel. Uh, oh, okay. Mm. I don't but believe you. <laughs> no, you're a liar. It, it was, was a falafel cake. No, just falafels. Just falafels. Yeah, it got, yeah. The, yeah. the after-show food got mixed in with the cake. It's not important. Got it. Okay. Um, <laughs> but you were saying. You were, I, I apologize. Um, I was just saying it was fantastic, a great feeling. Um, but it was a for for the whole team. Uh, it was a many many years of of trying to get a song in the top ten at radio and which is which is weird. And not to interrupt you, but it, I, I thought it was weird because there, you had hits previously and radio did play you previously in America True. and yeah. you had some hits. But this was not the first, not only the first number one, but the first top ten. Yeah, it's yeah. like it was like the one song that finally kind of made everything happen. Yeah, and when you guys finished recording the track, and I know I had read a previous interview that you did with Billboard where you had said that you felt like the album had kind of like turned a corner when you had finished Young Blood and another track from the Lie album. Lie to me. And what was it about Young Blood, the song, where you're like, "Aha, this is it"? I feel like I feel like on especially this last album. Um, we were searching for that staple sound and a collection of uh, influence and individuality that created um, an identity for this band. Um, and I feel like that's what uh, Youngblood essentially did for us. I mean, the the track, when I first heard it, I'm like, well, this is a hit. Like, this is obviously a hit record. But at the same Why? time... Hmm? Why? Because mm. it sounded... It, well, A, I thought it sounded just really cool. And the fact that each chorus builds a little bit more where the first chorus, it's punchy, but then the second chorus, there's more, like, I think there's more of a, like, guitar that's added on, and then by the yeah. third chorus, there's, like, more percussion that's added on, and it turns into this song that starts off kind of, like, a, you think it's going to be a ballad for a hot second, yeah. and then by the end of it, it's just like, huh, like hitting you over the head, <laughs> yeah. and then it's yeah. like a cold ending, and you're well, like, think, okay, so how do you feel about that? So, like, those movements on purpose in that, they're on purpose in that song, because it's kind of, we're paying more attention to the attention span of people these days, um, and how they listen to music, and how they flick over songs as fast as anything else, you know? Uh, so, we were trying to use the element of surprise with a chorus like that, mm-hmm. but also evoking a lot of emotion i don't think people had heard luke's vocal recorded like that before no um and it was different it was a different approach to how we were singing Mm -hmm. um and also the the dynamic progression of the instrumentation in that song was on purpose as well because we're easing people into using live drums and guitars yeah Um, the live drums come in the second half of the yeah because there's always been and also there's new instrumentation in the band like callum plays keys now and and so does luke and um you know, we're just trying to ease people into what we we're doing now musically as well. Um, so I guess there's a lot of reasons why the song turned out the way it did and what you're speaking about. It's, it sounded it sounded contemporary, but it also sounded a little bit retro at the same time to me. Like it evoked, to me, I, for some reason, I was thinking like, oh, is this like like a 
Joe Jackson. Oh right, Jackson <laughs> Brown. Like it sounded. To, it sounded like a little bit like cool eighties mm. new age, new agey, new wavy rock. Yeah, but it didn't sound like that either. And I, I, it just sounded old but new and contemporary and fresh but still evoking the past i don't know yeah that was what i thought i think i think you're you're spot on and it was about taking those like ashton was saying taking those older influences whether they're uh like new wavy like that and adding it into a pop uh environment <clears throat> obviously we're pop songwriters and lyrically having emotion in it and also um fitting in to what really is it feels like to us a hip-hop kind of world so there's subs and the and the 808s and stuff yeah. and the bass line um is you know it, it's it's a <laughs> trying to fit us into that world um it was difficult no but it definitely yeah there was definitely a hip-hop reference tossed around when we were writing the oh, song yeah, with the tempo yeah and um it, it makes it so it's not so alien when it's being played against uh, a post other, Malone track or yeah, something. Other yeah, other urban records on well, we radio. Came up with the Andy Summers style riff um, over the top of a hip hop track. I forget which one it was because we were referencing the tempo and the groove of it for the uh, verses. Um, but yeah, those are just things we were thinking about whilst writing that song. It's just a great song. Let's just that's just a great song. Clearly, <laughs> I mean, as we speak right now, and by the by the time people hear this. I mean, I don't know, but right now it is still the most played song on Top Forty Radio for the past three weeks. Yeah, it's amazing, which it's, is nuts. Yeah, it doesn't really doesn't really sink in, does it? I think it'll first, take a minute. First number one since nineteen from an Australian act since nineteen ninety seven. Savage for Garden, band. Savage Garden, band. yeah, Australia band. Yeah, don't forget band. Sia; she's in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. As a I'm, band. I'm, I'm sure she's. A, yeah, but she's, she's an alien. <laughs> she's <laughs> not. She's not really a human. She's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's 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 just like. Do you remember Savage Garden? Yes. That's crazy. Darren Hayes, and I forget the other gentleman's name. Me too. <laughs> yes. I'm not sure. I know Darren, though. You're good. You're good. Your besties with Darren? No, well, we met Darren when we were young. Oh, really? Yeah, with Brian McFadden from Westlife. <laughs> wow, that's a motley crew of folks. Yeah, yeah. we were in Sydney, so really? anything can happen down there. You were there. just fanboying <laughs> out. Oh, no, we, we went we in could, to play we them could totally a song. Sell, uh, we, we went in to play them a song, and uh, they said we weren't ready, and they were right. Was no. Darren there? Yeah, he was there. I he did... was producing. Uh, he was sitting there with Brian. I don't think Darren was there, man. I swear that was Darren. Definitely remember Brian. Darren was there. Maybe it's a different Darren. Anyways. <laughs> Darren you is. guys can work this out later. Um, well, I want to ask you a question about um, just the sort of the making of the song. I know we talked about it a little bit, and you already name-checked the other s- songwriters. Three out of the four of you co-wrote the song, um, and then you worked on it with Ali and Watt and Lewis Bell. Correct. Um, did the song, was it the song, like, did you guys have, like, the lyrics and kind of, like, the basic structure of it before you hooked up with them? Or was it, like, well, a songwriting session sort of thing? It was a session, but it was also um, an accumulation of years of talking about making a record with Andrew and just being in bars and things and talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. And finally... Let's just make it happen. Yeah, we get in the room. He said all the time. Um, we see him out. We're yep. going to make a hit song together. <laughs> yeah. Um, and finally, you know, we got there and Andrew was late. Um, and I picked up the guitar, and I said, "Well, Andrew would play something like this." And Ali was like, "Yeah, he would, because he has a he's he has a little formula thing that he does." Um, and then we started writing the verse, and then it all fell into place. Um, Lewis Bell, who uh, produced the track um, with Watt, uh-huh. um, has written a bunch of hits with Post Malone and produced Post Malone, um, including Better Now and Rockstar. Yeah. Um, and I, I call me weird, but I wouldn't immediately connect five sauce to post malone um how did 
he end up working with you guys? Because I think this is the only track that he produced on the record. True. Yeah. yeah. We look to we look forward to doing more too. I think that was a brilliant collaboration, but it was actually interesting because we took the demo we made and we gave it to to Louis Bell and and he uh he, Louis I apologize that's okay uh, and he he might be listening I didn't I, <laughs> I apologize Louis um and he he took it and he and what he essentially did was he looked at a band like ours a four piece kind of rock band and he modernized it in a way that we wouldn't have thought to mm, yeah. he took mm. all the uh, the dynamic in the song, and he focused in on the, the the organic elements of the song, and he turned it into something that um, kind of has opened a thousand doors for us, which is fantastic. And that's yeah. that's what every great producer should do. You know, it's it's a fantastic thing he did. Who who introduced you to him? Was that a lot? I think thing it was, was. It was probably Andrew Watt. Yeah, yeah. So I, I remember we finished it, and it sounded like it sounded similar to what it did now. And mm-hmm. I was listened to the demo the other day, but it didn't it didn't have that. Uh, as much as a punch in that bass in the chorus and that kind of surprise in the way the 808 builds through the pre-chorus, like he definitely added his uh, his his touch on it, and it it's uh yeah, I mean he's he's awesome. Is the song hard to sing, like live? Yes. Well, because because when I when I hear it, because it because each line goes up, and I'm like, is this tough to actually it, reproduce we, live just with four mm, people and your vocals? We, and- uh, we used to sing it in the original key f- for a long time, and we added a double chorus for live now, like a double-double chorus at the end, so it actually does the full... It's already a double chorus, so a half, one and a half. So we took it down half a step, and it's a little easier, but it's still not it's up there. Yeah, it's, the it's hardest part there. for me is going to the... <laughs> that part from the yeah. rest of the yeah, song. Definitely. That bit's tough. There's a reason why it's the last song of the show, probably. <laughs> I mean, well, also because it's a huge hit record, so it's, yeah, it, makes for, it, it makes for a nice finale. Um, you know, have you seen your audience kind of like evolve um, at yeah. shows because of Youngblood? Because obviously your core fan base, like probably before this album, was mostly sort of younger women. Mm-hmm. And I would think with this, because of the exposure at Top 40 Radio, maybe there's like, you know, more yeah. dudes yeah. showing up and like well, older folks. Well, we've actually focused more so... It started when we released Want You Back, and we actually, um, as a team, we came into this wanting to evolve the way the whole band feels. Like, every everything, everything we release, from merchandise to every bit of artwork, every photo that we take, it all needs to be um, creating an, a foundation for a new culture around this band. In the past, we've focused on a more uh, punk rock foundation for our visuals um, and energy to like feeding off that energy to create a tight fan base and you know with everything that we wear and back in the day our fans would imitate us and you know everything we released they would imitate it and uh you know we wanted to recreate that world but in a more mature way and also a way that excites us artistically so we started with all the visuals and then kind of young blood and everything followed um so now you're seeing a lot of guys in the audience in full leather outfits (laughs) like what i'm slick back hair no well sometimes what i'm seeing now is uh more diverse audience but an audience there's three types of people you got your diehard fans you got the people that have come because of they've they've heard young blood and they're curious to what type of band would be behind a song like that and then you have this new audience of people that we're still working out and they're just enjoying <laughs> what we're releasing and they're enjoying how everything looks and feels and sounds and they're you know so so there's a new determination in this band to feed this new audience and create something that uh, we can keep doing for an even longer time and keep upping the bar and keep uh, kind of confusing people that, you know, five sauce are still kicking us. And <laughs> yeah. No one said Whatever. you weren't. 
<laughs> well, for a second. <laughs> for, well, that's I, I didn't say it. Oh, I'll tell you. <laughs> well, all right. Well, we're not going to get into that. That's let's let's be celebratory here. Um, were you about to say something? I didn't want to cut you off. Um, no, I was. I was I <laughs> no, mean, I was going to say that um, he's right, and we're trying to figure out how to uh, not deal with. Uh, well, deal with our, our original fan base and our like a very cold and diehard, and trying to mix that in with people that like the new stuff because there's old songs that fans want us to play that only they would know that are on like a B side kind of thing, and we need yeah. to. It's 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 been interesting crafting a show that encompasses everyone and someone that's just heard Youngblood. What are they going to want to hear? Do they want to hear like it's a it's it's that's been tough. it's been fun, but it's it's yeah. You see some people in the crowd when we play an old song, they're like, "What what is?" It's a great dilemma to have. Yeah, you know, no, definitely. <laughs> I mean, a lot of bands or artists in their third album would play Young Blood if it didn't do as well, and and people would be like, "Oh, we'll just play," you know, "She Looks So Perfect" or something. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, I want to move on uh, to the next single, even though you're still number one. I want to move on to the next single, Valentine. Correct. Yeah. Um. Uh, Billboard wrote a story recently uh, saying, I want to get the quote correct. Um, it was, quote, the band's first song you could call sexy with a straight face. <laughs> I remember reading that quote. You did? <laughs> yes. I've, and that was the quote Michael that stuck out to the me mirror as well. I was like, are we sexy? That's a, that's a backhanded sexy? compliment. Sexy. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm like, I thought Youngblood sounded kind of sexy, but me too. okay. I mean. No, I think, I think Valentine for us is like one of the most interesting pieces of music we've ever released. And I'd say it's it's not something you would have ever expected from us. It's it's probably one of my favorite five seconds of summer songs. Yeah. Um it's so it's just so different. It ticks so many boxes in different ways and, and especially, you know, in the world we're living in right now where urban records are so popular. It fits in this like little pocket that's like not quite urban but you know was was produced by one of the most prestigious hip-hop producers of all time so it it's like for me it fits in such an interesting place and i think it's like the perfect way to follow and young blood in my opinion it's um it's 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 weirdly um spooky Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, but I'm not sure if that's the right word. But yeah. it has like this weird moody vibe to it. Yeah. Where, yeah. And then, of course, the skeletons in the video. Kind but of then the lyrics, the lyrics are so positive and yeah. uplifting. I mean, I, when I when I heard it the first few times, I'm like, am I missing something here? So I went and looked at the lyrics. I'm like, no, it seems like a love song. Yeah, it's a, I was like, is there something cryptic that <laughs> I missed the, in the lyrics? Are you really trying to eat someone's heart? Is that the metaphor? Yeah. No, I think it's, it's the Ebo that makes it sound so sad. There's that's a, the weird sounding. It's, yeah, it's a very oh, yeah. sad guitar thing in there. Um but also, it it does sound sad, and that was kind of us seeking inspiration of like the Chris Isaacs of the world and things like that, ah. and trying to make a happy song sound. Well, it does sound sad quarterly, but mm. lyrically, it's it's pretty fucking goofy. That song, I think. I think that yeah. makes it even like cr- I think that makes it harder to comprehend because the lyrics are are so romanticized, but the song itself is a very minor bass song. Yeah. Um. To I know we have to wrap up in a That's little right. bit, but okay, great. Then I'll just hang out with you for the next half hour. <laughs> no, right. it's okay. Don't worry. There's a whole <laughs> group of people sitting next to us, like looking at me like they want me to shoot out the room. <laughs> no, you don't really. Um, uh, the tour just wrapped in America, the North American tour mm-hmm. last Friday. Well, last Friday. We're going to Glasgow on Friday. Yep. Uh, no stopping. We're going to Glasgow. We're going to London. <laughs> going to Glasgow. <laughs> uh, I'm yes. going to Glasgow. Yep. Uh, th- there may only be three of you the next time that they see you on TV. Because <laughs> um, the tour then starts up in October, November, and then I think that's the end. 
for yes, now. Yes, I think so too. Is there a chance that maybe you'll add further dates? We, um, we we're uh, we're going we're doing some stuff in Oz. We can't say that. Can we say that? We're going back down under for um the Australian Music Awards. So I know we're doing that. We're doing a few uh, one-off I mean, you're, shows. You're kind of popular right now with the number one song in America. Maybe you should come back for some yeah. more shows. <laughs> Just saying. That's yeah. a good idea. Uh, we would like our... to... Go ahead, man. We would like to... This is our actually our second world tour this we're year. On our yeah. second world tour this year. So we've been in the toaster for a minute. Um, <laughs> I thought it started in Australia and Japan and then came well, to America. We did the right? Five Sauce Three tour at the start of the year, which was kind of well. we were um, trying to break the re- band again. We, we had to break the band again at the start of the year. <laughs> sure. So we did that, and then we did another tour. So another tour after this. Sure, why not? I think we. <laughs> why not? <laughs> not? No, no. Well, we're at it. I'd like to get back in the studio, honestly. I yeah, because like, I think we. We, so we don't know about any more dates at this point. No, I okay, don't. Great. Not me personally. I'm sure there is somewhere. But yeah, Calum gets a date. Management is there? A management in the room? Anyone <laughs> like? No. Okay, they're just they're they're shaking their heads. Um, yeah, I would just like to continue on writing now for Are a second. You, do you guys ride on the road? At all? Uh, I'm it's, really struggling. Well, we're, we've struggled. It's difficult to write on the road for us, and I think it was it's almost frustrating. Although the album is finished, and uh, we're very proud of it, and the song's doing well. The album did great, but. It's almost frustrating to be taken out of that world where you're making songs like that, and you're and you're kind of plugged in. And once you plug out, and you're on the road, and mm-hmm. you're kind of scrambling uh, to write, and it's very very frustrating. Yeah, there is going to be a fantastic influence on the road, though. Maybe not lifestyle wise, but we have Lovely the band coming out, um, and they're actually going to be recording some of their second album on the road as well. So maybe I can uh, work with them. Maybe a little yeah. bit. I might write a couple songs with, with Mitchie out in the road or something, but we'll see what happens. Um, last thing. Um, earlier this year, uh, when the Youngblood album dropped, um, it appeared that you were on track for number one on the Billboard 200 album chart, where you'd had pre- two previous number ones. By the way, I manage that particular chart. Oh, okay. That is my chart that I <laughs> okay. manage at scary Billboard. Chart. Um, uh, scary chart. Why? It wasn't that week. You well, can yeah, understand that, why. I'm, I'm getting to that. Um, but then the Carters, you know, Jay-Z and Beyonce, uh, came along with their surprise album mm. the day after your yes. album came out. Um, so what was going on in the wonderful world of Five Sauce? Were you just like, oh, number one, never mind. That was literally, uh, that was literally it. Because they didn't announce, cause, because of the way that the weeks work, we, we dropped ours on, I want to say, June 15th. That was our date. It would have been a Friday. Yeah, definitely. it was a Friday. And then the Beyonce and Jay-Z album didn't drop until like Sunday. Or like it was Saturday or Sunday that it dropped, so yeah. we had like two days of where we were like, "Oh, we're like yes. we're like the big thing out this record like this week," mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden That's what it I was thought. like, "It was like, oh my god, Jay Z and Beyonce have finally yeah. done I, an album together," mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, we were we didn't really know what to what to expect, you know, it was like we we could kind of just go into it and 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 like. Hope that our fans <laughs> would would rally behind us and, and they did. It was, was kind of yeah. yeah, it's nice. We I don't know if we're seeing from the outside as this, but I feel like sometimes we feel like an underdog. So I was kind of I was a little bit happy about it, and I think that people. Um, you were happy about Jay Z and Beyonce dropping well, not, an album. Not well, that was happy. Awesome you were happy but about I think the it was cool like, as a that music people fan, would that cool. people would put out. Um, a lot of people would put out an album and be like, "All right, we got this." They would, who's this Australian band? Um, and their album is amazing, obviously, but it was um, it was cool to see people doubt us and our fans kind of get behind us mm-hmm. and prove that you know we we belong here and we put a lot of work into this. And you know whether we went number one or number two didn't matter. It was just it was a cool it was a cool moment for us. It was really important that week. 
Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, it, it required us to focus in on our fans and, and super serving them in every way we could and, and showing that, you know, here's this album. We've worked on it for a very long time and, and you've waited a very long time and, and let's not let the world kind of and not, not let America not hear about this. Let's do it. It, it all turned out fine, uh, huh? at least for you guys. Um, and it also turned out fine for Jay and Beyonce because they said in their lyrics they didn't care about, you know, awards or charts. So, it's you know, it's fine. But you debuted at number one on the Billboard 200. You became the first band to have your first three full-length studio albums debut at number one. And you're the only Australian act to have three number one albums in America. Yeah. Like, that's more than Olivia Newton-John, more than ACDC. Yeah, more than I was. I was always. I thought, if you count Bee Gees for Australian, even though they were born in England but they moved to Australia, I know it's weird. Yeah, we, we, we've we've already we've taken them emotionally. I really? think ACDC. I don't know how. I don't know what's going on there. It's those old classic albums like didn't yeah. go to number like Back in Black didn't go to number one. That's crazy to me. What, it's number the second, five or something. Second yeah. highest selling album of all time. It's right? Number one in every living Australian's heart. It's number one in our heart. Yeah, I don't know about us, but. Yeah. Um, this has been great. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate the time. Thank you. And uh, have fun in Europe. And thank you. Thank you. We're come back any time. <laughs> At least three quarters of you are. I'll Should be going to London. <laughs> so. Can't wait. Should we do the Billboard uh, singing? The sing along? Yeah. What? There's a sing along. Yeah, you guys did like a. Do you have like a. Jingle? So? We don't have a jingle. You can, can you want to make up a jingle for us? We'll we do can, it for 50 grand. One, two, three, four. <laughs> ba, 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 okay, okay, 50 bucks. <laughs> Fine, $25. And a grande iced coffee. I'm checking my wallet. With whipped cream. <laughs> what do we got? Uh, uh, All right, thanks for having us. Uh, Five I, got, I got 23. I got 23. No? No? That's Thank you again, guys. Uh, five Sauce. We really appreciate you taking the time to talk. Um, I thought it was a good chat. Um, maybe we can work that, you know, jingle it's somewhere into the pop shop yes. going forward, or we can pitch that as a thing. I wonder, I kind of wonder, like, who they thought had that jingle. <laughs> I don't know. And we'll have them back on our 500th episode. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, whoa. <laughs> we'll see We'll see you in a couple years, yeah. Five Sauce, or maybe yeah. hopefully sooner. Yeah. Um, and now, it's time for the chart stat of the week. Keeping with the five years ago theme, five years ago this week, Miley Cyrus's Bangers debuted at number one on the Billboard 200 Albums chart. The set swooped in atop the list dated October 26, 2013, and spent one week leading the tally. Counting Cyrus's work under her TV alter ego character Hannah Montana, Bangers marked the fifth number one for the singer. She had previously had albums that were billed to just Hannah Montana, and it was just her singing all the songs, like yeah. the soundtracks from the TV show. Did and you the- just make up that it was her fifth number one? 
No. The fives continue. Oh, no, it really was her. <laughs> I didn't know. I, that was a quinky dink. Um, Bangers was let off by the single We Can't Stop, which reached number two on the Hot 100. I guess it stopped before it got to number one. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. But her next single, Wrecking Ball, not only gave Cyrus her first number one, but also gave her a pop culture moment to end all pop culture moments with its controversial music video. Uh, in the clip, which has uh, over 970 million global views on YouTube, a naked Cyrus swings atop a wrecking ball uh, and other things, too. Um, I mean, she doesn't swing on other things, but she, <laughs> she, like she's... she's there's other things that happen in the video. <laughs> there's other things that happen in the video, aside from her just being on top of a wrecking ball. The video went on to win the MTV Video Music Award for Video of the Year, while the song's parent album, Bangers, garnered Cyrus her first and so far only Grammy Award nomination, uh, and it was for Best Pop Vocal Album. Since Bangers, Cyrus has commercially released one more album, 2017's Younger Now, which released... Which released? No, it reached (laughs) number five on the Billboard 200. Number five! Number five. That wasn't planned either. Um, Seems like our numerology episode. <laughs> yeah, she she and, then, and I say commercially released because and and she may have subsequently eventually released it. Her Dead she, Pets album. Yeah, she yeah. had a Dead Pets thing. That was like the Flaming Lips thing. Yeah, Is that what it was? yeah. And it was like a SoundCloud thing. It was oh like yeah, a, it was like a you just listen to it, stream it. Yeah. And I think maybe eventually, like a couple years later, she dropped it maybe commercially, but it never charted, and so yeah. it's sort of it's like it doesn't quite count. I mean, maybe I don't know. Ask Miley if it counts as a studio album. I'm not sure if she counts it. It's anyway, up to her. It's up to her. <laughs> so there you have it. Five years ago this week, Miley Cyrus got her fifth number one <laughs> with Bangers. I came in like a wrecking ball. I never hit so hard in love. All I wanted was to break your walls. All you ever did was wreck me. Um... Well, we've reached the end of our special fifth anniversary show. Yes. Um, uh, I, I feel like we could have talked about some of our favorite memories of the podcast um, for a while. It's true. Um, did, maybe our parting words could be, did we forget any? Yeah, I mean, I was already thinking about um, <laughs> the fact that I did two Pop Shop interviews in in combination with working out with celebrities. <laughs> the first one was Chili from TLC. I was thrilled to talk to Chili because I loved TLC growing up. And first we did a beach body workout. And then Haley Steinfeld uh, teamed up with her trainer and some new like workout gear that she was hyping. Sure. And so I did a workout with Haley Steinfeld and spoke with her as well. So um, this is a thing that, that draws me in, publicist, if you want me to do a pop shop interview slash workout. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think, have I had like a weird sort of situation? I haven't gone to work out with anyone. Oh, remember the one with DNCE where you were like at, were, like, at like a coffee bean? Oh, it wasn't even at a coffee bean. It was at the former Tower Records yeah. building on, on, um, on Sunset Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. Um, they did a, 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 a base, effectively a corporate show for coffee bean where they were like pimping out some new nitro brew or something. <laughs> it's delicious. Uh, sure. <laughs> and, um, and it was at the tower on sunset and yeah. they did with all the tower logos, logos and yeah. they had a performance space set up inside. And then I interviewed them inside the tower in like some green room in the back of it. That yeah. was kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, I interviewed Sean Mendez once backstage at the iHeart radio. Awards. I thought it was DBMAs. Was it iHeart? 
I think it was at iHeart because okay. it was like a forum. I knew it was Vegas. Oh, I thought it was. I was thinking Vegas. Um, because mm. didn't you? Oh, I was thinking about something else. No, mind. and but that that was weird oh, because yeah, I was only going to the iHeart Awards to specifically interview Sean because mm. I'm like, no, it's Sean Mendez, and I want him on the show. Yeah, and they're like, and it, oh, and it was for. It was it was another one of those things where we were sorry my calendar just went off. Huh. Um, it was one of those things where um, it, it was for some like he was. It was like a you know where Katie went to go work out with someone to talk about their workout where he was doing something with some juice brand. Oh yeah, it I was, forget what um, it was. Izzy. Izzy. Yeah. Why yeah. do I remember all the brands? <laughs> and <laughs> he was he was there doing like a photo shoot for the Izzy drink. Before the iHeart carpet. And so I met him in like this weird, like ram, like sort of like thrown together ramshackle room before he did the carpet. Right. And he, and he was like asking me, he's like, do I look good? How does my jacket look all right? Sean Mendes is asking anyone, do I look good? I'm I'm like, you look fine. He's like, I feel, I don't know. Does it look all right? I'm like, you look good. Shut up. (laughs) You're Sean Mendes. Um, But golly, we've had so many like great guests, everyone from, you know, obviously, you know, the, the, the sort of the obvious people that you would think of. Ed Sheeran, Lady Lady Gaga. Kelly Clarkson twice. I mean, you know, my personal faves, you know, people like Kylie Minogue. Mm-hmm. And, and, but at the same time, Nadine Coyle. Nadine. Nadine. But also, I, I think ultimately, you know, uh, hopefully y'all just sort of uh, get something out of, you know, me and Katie chatting, yeah. you know, and, and talking about chart news and pop news and our banter. You literally being a fly on the wall in what we are constantly doing when we're not recording this, as well. This is, this is Katie, Keith, Keith, Keith and I, <laughs> my alter ego, Katie and I just sit here next to one another in a, in a room and we work together. And, and the poor intern has to hear it all. This is what our conversations <laughs> yeah. sound like. Before it, our audience was one intern and now it is hopefully a few more people. Hopefully a few more. Um, what song should we go out on? Oh man, so many... So many options. Uh, Is there something with five? The number five? Oh, wait. Should we do... When the lights go out? (laughs) Okay. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.